AdamandEve.com is the world's number one online source for adult toys. And I'm Horrified is the world's number one source for nightmares, aren't we, Sam? We so are. So, we've joined forces to bring you some sweet deals. Use our offer code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. AdamandEve.com. We're not horrified at all. Hello! Hi, listeners! Welcome to episode 41! Woo! Woo! We're excited. We took a quick break last week. We did. Because I was ill. Yeah, it was episode 40. We thought it was a clean time. Yeah, it was just time to take a moment. Yeah, now we're back and I am haggard today. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I just, my period just started. I ate like seven Christmas cookies today. They're good. They're very good Christmas cookies. I'm in a state. No, I feel that. So, you're getting us at at a low point. Yeah. But when, what else have you gotten? Yeah, I gotta Honestly. say, that's, that's been the intro for the last, like, 18 episodes. Yeah. It's just been like, you guys, it's a rough day. We're just okay. And you're <laughs> fine with that. You seem to be fine with that. And we um, appreciate you. Thank you for being our strength. No, I mean, we appreciate the patronage, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I, you, you're not so hot yourself. That's hey, all I'll say. Be nice to them. Ah! Those are my friends. <laughs> that's true. Don't say I didn't things mean, about that. I didn't mean it. I know you didn't. <laughs> she didn't, you guys. It's the bleeding. It's just the blood. <laughs> I want to eat a whole chocolate cake <laughs> and also, like, kill somebody while having sex with them. It's a very weird oh, sort it, of... it's a very Gone Girl mood that you're it's in. It's a Gone Girl... It really is. It's She does all those things she, in Gone I think Girl. She I think really she really does. does. I think she actually does that. Um, it's just, those are all the emotions <laughs> that happen in, in me. Yeah. I won't speak for all, you know, period havers, but in me when yeah. I have my period, so. I have it, I, I, I experience a lot of those. And you know what? Rarely do I get to do any of those three, so. You might as well indulge all in one week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, last, last time we had an episode, I was on my period, and I fully had a mental breakdown about just bugs, Yeah, so. you did, so who knows what, who knows so what I'll do. So you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want on this I podcast. I agree. I agree. Ugh. So what are you, what are you going to do? Uh, today I'm going to talk about the, um, earthquake in this Cascadia subduction zone in 1700. Great. <laughs> I know that sounds a little science and it is. I'm confused and, um, angry. Yeah. And a little turned on, but that's just the world we're living in right now. Amen. I'm going to talk about Ashley Madison. Woo! Woo! We watched a documentary on this years ago together. Oh, yeah, we did, and I loved it. I talk about it. I don't talk about the documentary, but I cover a lot of what they cover. Um, There's not that much to say. Um, (laughs) Just bad. It's not great. Just, you know, bad. Um, But I'm so excited to talk about it. But first, um, I want to hear what you have to say about whatever this is. Woohoo! And I mean that. Science! Yeah! So this segment was suggested to me by my friend, um, Annalise. So thank you for the nightmares, baby girl. Thanks, Annalise. She emailed it to me, um, during work to my personal uh, email account with the title of the utmost importance, (laughs) and then the body of the email was just a link to a New Yorker article. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, this one's for you, girl. (laughs) Here we go. Um, let's talk about the Cascadia Subduction Zone. Break that down for me word by word, please. I will. So first, let's figure out what a subduction zone is. I don't know. A subduction zone is when two tectonic plates Ah, meet. I'm confused. So tectonic plates (laughs) are like 
Um, like the turtle shells that our world lives on. Oh, sure. Yeah? Yep. And so there's a bunch of them. They rub up against each other, and a subduction zone is when one of the tectonic plates is going under the other tectonic plate. Oh, well, that's what makes earthquakes happen, right? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yeah. Okay, I get it. I get it. Um, and that's not scary. I get science. There you go. We're scientists. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that is exactly what's happening in the Cascadia region. Um, it's, they call it that because there's, like, a a range of volcanic mountains that are the Cascadia Mountains. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's offshore um, of North America, but it stretches from North Vancouver Island to about Cape Mendocino in Northern California. Okay. Oh, uh, we have a friend who's from Mendocino. There you go. So to illustrate exactly what's happening, I'm going to quote an article from The New Yorker um, by Katherine Schultz called The Really Big One. Highbrow. Here we go. And you can, you and listeners, please at home do this as well, because I know I'm going to do this while I read it. Take your hands. Yep. And hold them palms down, middle fingertips touching. I'm doing it. Your right hand represents the North American tectonic plate, which bears on its back, among other things, our entire continent. Yep. From One World Trade Center to the Space Needle in Seattle. Your left hand represents an oceanic plate called Juan de Fuca, 90,000 square miles in size. The place where they meet, your middle fingers, is the Cascadia subduction zone. Now. Danger zone. <laughs> it is a danger zone now. Call Kenny Loggins. <laughs> <laughs> now, slide your left hand under your right one. That is what the Wanda Fuca plate is doing, slipping steadily beneath North America. When you try it, your right hand will slide up your left arm as if it were pushing up your sleeve. That is what the North American plate is not doing. Instead, it is stuck wedged tight against the surface of the other plate. Okay. So, like, it's... This is what's happening. <laughs> you we, you can't see it, listeners, but... but you guys are holding your hands Sam's in front of you. Sam's very small hands, we've mentioned, they're very <laughs> tiny. Absurdly tiny. So the, the one plate is lodged kind of under the other plate, but the other plate is also lodged, so it's, they're, there's they're not a ton together. of movement. And what's happening is that every year, like, th- it moves three millimeters. And the rock is still pretty young as far as rocks go, so it's pretty, like, spongy as far as rocks go, so it's all kind of chill. Okay, but that's something I hate about science, is they're like, <laughs> well, this is a young star, so it's only 500,000 billion years old. And I'm like, what? Um, so you could ha- be having two thoughts. You could be thinking to yourself, A, you know what, sometimes tectonic plates rub up against each other and that's chill. Totally. Or you could be thinking... Is this like the San Andreas Fault in California because that thing creates hella earthquakes? Mm. Weirdly, geologists were on the, this is actually fine side, because this Cascadia subduction zone had no history of earthquakes. Good. Like, none on record. So why would it start now? But when they poked around, there were some weird things in the region that they noticed. To start, we'll talk about ghost forests. What? Have you heard of a ghost forest? Not what? <laughs> Sounds what? spooky. I know. So what's a ghost forest basically is, is what happens when a forest dies, but the trees are still pretty firmly rooted into the ground, so they don't fall over. It's just hella dead trees standing around. Spooky. Um, and that's ghost forest. They're dead, but they're still standing. Same. <laughs> so... <laughs> Oh, zing. So, 
These two geologists, Brian Atwater and David Yamaguchi, discovered one of these ghost forests in the Cascadia region. There was this huge grove of red cedars in Copalis? Copalis? Oh, I don't know. In this area. Uh, And for decades, people had thought that, like, just slowly, seawater had come in and gradually killed off all these trees. Slow, easy process. Um, But what Atwater and Yamaguchi realized was that actually the forest died very suddenly all at once. They took samples of the cedars and they found that they had died simultaneously. In tree after tree, the final rings dated to the summer of 1699. Since trees don't grow in the winter, they concluded that sometime between August of 1699 and May of 1700, something happened that caused the land to drop and, like, the ocean to rise, and it killed all these cedars. Now, 1699 is about 100 years before written language came to this Pacific Northwesty area, so there is no way to look into this. That's deeply not true, but more on this later. Okay. But here's something else weird. This is the Japanese orphan tsunami. What? I know. It's a lot of good just names of things. Uh, did you know that Japan has had written language since 599 AD? I believe it. Yeah, they, it's true. So good. <laughs> I'm astounded that we have it now. I know. How did we think of this? Um, Japan is also part of a region that has a lot of geological activity. And the thing that happens a lot to them are earthquakes followed by massive tsunamis. So in the 1400 year history since Japan has had written language, they have written down when crazy geological things happen. You'll find letters and stuff and diaries from people who lived hundreds of years ago that'll be, that'll be like, man, there was an earthquake today and it's June 12th. <laughs> Yikes. And then geologists can be like, cool, we know that an earthquake struck on June 12th. How cool. Thank you. Thanks, old merchant man. Love it. But in this whole history, there is one incident that stood out for its strangeness. On the eighth day of the 12th month of the 12th year of the Genruku era... Wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get back to it. Okay. A 600-mile-long wave struck the coast, leveling homes, breaching a castle moat, and causing an accident at sea. Ah. Now, the Japanese at this point understood that tsunamis were often the result of earthquakes, but no one felt the ground shake before this event. There's literally journals from the time period that say, like, there was no earthquake before this one. How weird. And when scientists began studying it, they called it this orphan tsunami because it had no discernible parent, no origin. Oh. Here's an interesting note. The eighth day of the 12th month of the 12th year of the Genroko era is January 27th, 1700. (gasps) Remember, all those trees in the Pacific Northwest died sometime between August of 1699 and May of 1700. We got it. It's interesting. I'm just saying it's interesting. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm intrigued. Okay, remember how I said there was no written language in the Pacific Northwest in the 1700s, um, so there was no way to find out what happened? To quote Pretty Wild, you lied! (laughs) (laughs) Obviously there were still fucking people living there. Yeah. So, indigenous oral history up and down the Cascadia subduction zone tells, in different ways, the same story. Um, I'm going to do my best on a couple of these pronunciations, but please Google this, because this specific segment is the most interesting one to me. The New Chanuth on Vancouver Island have stories about getting earthquake foot, 
and the Yorok and the Ho people have stories about Thunderbird and Whale. Ooh. So Thunderbird lives in the mountains and Whale lives in the ocean. And here's one version of the story. But like I said, there's a lot of like indigenous groups that have different versions of this story. So if you know a version of this story, tweet it at me. So in the Pacific Northwest, it is the cold of January. The sun has been down for hours and no one could see Thunderbird swoop down from the mountains. But they felt it when she grabbed Whale in her talons and rose up with it. Then she dropped Whale from a great height, slamming it into the ground. The land shook and the waters receded. Some people knew to get into their canoes, but some didn't have time. Then came the Great Flood, which destroyed whole villages and left many canoes stranded in the trees. That's the story of Thunderbird and Whale. Scary. And there are so many stories like that in this region. Um, Here's another quote from that New Yorker article that just, like, really lays it out. So, in 1964, Chief Louis Nukmis of the Hyatt First Nation in British Columbia told a story passed down through seven generations about the eradication of Vancouver Island's Pachena Bay people. And he says, quote, I think it was at nighttime that the land shook. According to another tribal history, quote, they sank at once, were all drowned, no one survived. A hundred years earlier than that, so 1800s, Billy Bulk, the leader of the Maka tribe, recounted a similar story. Before his own time, he said, all the water had receded from Washington State's Nia Bay and then suddenly poured back in, inundating the entire region. Those who survived later found canoes hanging from the trees. In a 2005 study, Ruth Ludwin, then a seismologist at the University of Washington, together with nine colleagues, conducted and analyzed Native American reports of earthquakes and saltwater floods. Some of those reports contained enough information to estimate a date range for the events described. On average, the midpoint of that date range was 1701. So, like, wow! Isn't it so weird that all these indigenous people that live near a subduction zone have an oral tradition that teaches them that if the ground shakes and the waters recede, they should get the fuck away from the ocean. Anyways, there's never been an earthquake here. That's how fucking dumb all these scientists sound. Oh my god, these scientists. We could be scientists. Literally. We're dumb enough to be scientists. It's so horrifying that they're like, how weird that all these cultures have stories that teach them about uh, earthquake preparedness. Yeah. Anyways, this fault line doesn't work. Everything but the English written word is just <laughs> um, devil magic, so. So it's probably pretty clear at this point that in 1700, there was a massive earthquake in this region. Thanks to both the science and the oral tradition of these tribes, we have been able to discover almost precisely what happened. Here it is. And like, when you think about especially the oral tradition, you're like, oh my god, you guys. <laughs> At approximately nine o'clock at night on January 26th, 1700, oh, a magnitude, you know the date, yeah, a magnitude 9.0 earthquake, which is huge, struck the Pacific Northwest, causing a sudden land subsidence, drowning coastal forests, and out in the ocean, lifting up a wave half the length of the continent. It took, what? Yeah. It took roughly 15 minutes for the eastern half of that wave to strike the Northwest coast. It then took 10 hours for the other half of it to cross the ocean, and it reached Japan on January 27th, 1700, by the local calendar, the eighth day of the 12th month of the 12th year of Genroku. Bitch! (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) So, I mean, 
That's horrifying that that happened, because it definitely killed tons of people. I feel like I'm on cereal right now. I know. And it's, there's a whole, like, essay these people did that's, like, really scientific, but, like, people write about it and they're like, actually, this is fascinating. Like, for real, read this scientific study. Oh my god. So, like, it's horrifying that this happened. Yes. It's also horrifying that we've ignored these stories and knowledge from, like, tribes that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, but do you want to know the most horrifying thing? Of course I do. It's that this is definitely going to happen again. No. So before we confirmed the earthquake of 1700, scientists thought this area was totally stable. But now that we know it isn't, scientists are starting to be like, okay. Okay, wait. It's weird that there hasn't been any other seismic activity then. <laughs> so they started doing some math. In 2009, some geologists predicted a 10% to 14% probability that the Cascadia subduction zone will produce an event of magnitude 9.0 or higher in the next 50 years. Oh! In 2010, studies suggested the risk could be as high as 37% for earthquakes of magnitude 8.0 or higher. And this is very bad, because this region is not prepared for an earthquake of this magnitude. Until 1974, the state of Oregon had no seismic code at all. And the vast majority of buildings in Oregon were built before 1974. Oh, boy. The Oregon Department of Geology and Mineral Industries estimates that 75% of all structures in the state are not designed to withstand a major Cascadia earthquake. And FEMA calculates that across the region... Something on the order of a million buildings, more than 3,000 of them schools, will collapse or be compromised in the earthquake. So will, I'm sorry, hold my hand. Oh my god, what the fuck? So will half of all highway bridges, 15 of the 17 bridges spanning Portland's two rivers, and two-thirds of railways and airports. And also one-third of all fire stations, half of all the police stations, and two-thirds of the hospitals. But which, which are things that you want in the event of a 9.0 magnitude earthquake. I would want them. Yeah. And here's the other bummer, is, like, when this happens, there will definitely be a tsunami that follows. Like, it's gonna. It's gonna. But I... And the only real way to survive a tsunami is to not be there when it happens. That's and, true. And this region has no infrastructure to warn people that it's happening. And that's really bad. Here's some more bad statistics. I'm just going to rattle them off. I, okay. 22% of Oregon's coastal population is 65 or older. No, they're slow. 29% of the state's population is disabled, and that figure rises in many coastal counties. The city planner of the town of Seaside, Oregon, was quoted as saying, quote, We can't save them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, oh yeah, we'll go around and check on the elderly. No, we won't. That is so bleak. So fucking bleak. Like, he's a city planner and he's just like, they're, they're dead. Do you want to know what? I'm sure that he's absolutely <laughs> terrified by that, but my, I wish that there was totally a way to save them and he was just like, we're not going to save them. They can crawl. No, he's a oh, good man. No, he's a good man. Um, so FEMA estimates that there's going to be 27,000 people injured in this incident and almost 13,000 dead. And that is only if this does not happen during tourist season. Oh. Like, when they did these numbers, they were like, let's say, in theory, it happens in, like, a February. Here's what it looks like. It happened in January It happened in January the last time, right? So. 
So they were like, <laughs> you know, then it would be 13,000 people dead. Uh, if the beaches are full, and the beaches are the most dangerous place to be in a tsunami, yeah. and the most popular place to be if you're a tourist, and if you're a tourist, you don't know how to evacuate, that's worse. And these estimates don't even consider, like, infrastructure damage, people displaced, landslides that are inevitably going to happen. Like, this thing is going to be cataclysmic. And I'm going to leave you with one more quote from the New Yorker article, and it's the worst one. But you said all the worst ones already, I'm sure. We know now that the Pacific Northwest has experienced 41 subduction zone earthquakes in the past 10,000 years. If you divide 10,000 by 41, you get 243, which is Cascadia's recurrence interval, the average amount of time that elapses between earthquakes. That time span is dangerous both because it is too long, long enough for us to unwittingly build an entire civilization on top of our continent's worst fault line, and because it is not long enough. Counting from the earthquake of 1700, we are now 315 years into a 243-year cycle. We are overdue for this motherfucker. I am horrified. Ah, <laughs> that's so scary. Yeah, it's pretty This is literally weird. War of the Worlds shit. Like, yeah. this is the thing that, like, a pretty blonde scientist, like, frantically <laughs> says in a meeting. No. Right before, like, Michael Bay gets real with, like, uh, CGI stuff. Oh my god. But yeah, at the beginning oh, of this, this episode, so when you were scary. like, you were like, we have a friend in Northern California, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna call Raina She's after dead. this. Get her tell out her of her fucking move. She lives in LA now. It's fine. <sighs> Save your family. So that's um, the 1700 Cascadia earthquake, a serial like mystery oh that ends God. in uh, the murder of many, many, many people. <sighs> so I'm never gonna visit the Pacific Northwest. Just wait until the next. <laughs> Uh, the next earthquake is done. Because then we got 243 Because then you have that. plenty of time. <laughs> I can't make jokes about this. <laughs> no. I feel like it's going to happen and then... We'll have to take down this, this episode. This podcast is going to be really inappropriate. Yeah. Um. Oh, that is so bleak. Yeah. I'm so scared by that. Wow, that scares me. It's a real nightmare. And like... It's really scary. Something that I didn't even put in here but is in one of the hundred articles I read. Because <laughs> once you like start reading about this, you just keep stop. like yeah. pressing on links was now in, like, this Pacific Northwest region, they are trying to institute, like, seismic codes. And you technically, like, you have to consult with the geological body before you can build something. But one of the guys was like, it doesn't even anything because people give me their plans. I tell them, you would be crazy to build this. And they go, great, we consulted with you. And they built it anyway. Like, they have no real power to stop it. You just have to consult with them. Oh, and, like, capitalism is not going to be like, okay, that's chill, we'll stop building. Yeah, obviously. On beaches, I guess. Like, Oh, no. It's really bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. It makes what I'm about to talk about seem very trivial, which it already was. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear something trivial. No. Oh, I can't. Oh, that's so scary. I'm scared of this. I didn't know how much that would scare me. I'm so scared of tsunamis. Yeah. Um, every time I read about tsunamis, specifically, I read, um, so Nate Berkus is, like, a, a designer who got very famous on Oprah, mm-hmm. and now he's, like, you know, got his own line at Target, whatnot. So he was vacationing with his partner in Sri Lanka in 2004 when the very big earthquake happened, mm-hmm. and, um, I, 
in one of his books, he, like, recounts what happened. And I've actually never been more scared of any kind of natural disaster. It was so, so scary to read about. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, stuck with me. Him talking about being on the ground and then being completely underwater and then being on a rooftop. Yeah. And just not knowing which way was up. Jesus Christ. Holding onto his partner's hand and then all of a sudden it was like, he was ripped away. <gasps> and they never found him. What? Yeah, they never found him. <gasps> it's it's, a, it's the saddest story in the world. Ugh. You know, they were so in love and, and, and he was walking, you know, he went around uh, that area for weeks afterwards trying to find him and they just never found him oh my god it was so sad oh that's like a mini i'm horrified that that yeah. happened in nate burgess Ugh. um but he's very strong he is he's found love again good for him i'm glad for yeah. him i'm not glad for anyone living in the cascadia subduction zone yeah get out run I would you have time to run. <laughs> Do or maybe right, you don't. Right now. If we you don't know. Start right now. Start walking now. Uh-huh. <sighs> okay, we gotta talk about something else. We have to move on. Thanks, no thanks, Annalise. Yep. Oh, God. Annalise, you're dead to me. <laughs> um. So, Ashley Madison. Where to start? This is yuck. What if we didn't? What if we just yeah. talked about something nice? And this is why I'd be, like, a terrible journalist, because the <laughs> bias just shines through. Like, <laughs> tonight at 7, Ashley Madison. Gross. <laughs> um, so Ashley Madison is a website. It is. That's it. That's just a website. Just <laughs> a website. It, that's all it is. It's like Facebook. It's or... a Canadian website. It's an online dating service. That I thought is... the Canadians were better than that. I thought that, too. Um, it's specifically marketed. We all know this. It's a, the dating website for having an extramarital affair. Yeah. That's the point of it. The life point is, of it is to have an affair. Their slogan is, life is short. Have an affair. Yep. Which will, is our new slogan now. <laughs> <laughs> I say that to my boyfriend every day, and life he says to me, honey, is something wrong? Are you dying? <laughs> Do you want to break up? <laughs> so the website was established in 2002, when everything terrible was spawned. Yeah. Uh, the name Ashley Madison was taken from two popular baby names at the time, which, gross. Um, why bring babies into this? <laughs> they, do, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve it. Um, uh, I've seen differing accounts about whether or not Darren Morgenstern or Noel Biederman actually founded the site. However, the man at the center of this nonsense ended up being Noel Biederman. So, Noel Biederman, somewhere along the line, became the spokesperson and, you know, public figure of Ashley Madison. And now nobody likes him, and who could have guessed? Mm-hmm. So the site basically operates like any other dating site. You sign up, you make a profile, blah, blah, blah. And I want to make this clear that I personally never used a dating website, but there's got to be something to it because yeah. so many people meet and have marriages and babies and lovely lives totally um, on online dating sites. So I'm in no way slamming actual dating sites online, except for eHarmony if it's still homophobic. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't know that. What about Farmers Only? That's what I, I had that written down. I was like, specific ones, like J-Date or, I had Farmer Match, so that's not right. But yeah, it's Farmers Only, isn't it? I mean, there could be two. I mean, those, like, right on. Yeah. It's probably hard to meet other farmers. It probably is. What if I'm just a lady from the big city and I want, like, a I, simple country you know, boy. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. I need him to be a little bit country. I think if you put those exact words in your profile on Farmers Only, you would have to beat him off. Yeah, I'd get a lot of 57-year-old men mm-hmm. knocking down my door. Ooh. <laughs> um, who are really into Donny Osmond, which eyebrow raise. But your mom would be like, he's perfect. <laughs> my mom, yeah, my mom would be like, hello, son. 
so the thing that sets Ashley Madison apart, which already feels fishy, is that when two people match and want to speak to each other, one of the two parties has to buy five Ashley Madison credits in order to speak to the other. So, and usually the person who pays for this is the man, because overwhelmingly these interactions are between heterosexual men and women. Yes. The gays want nothing to do with it. (laughs) And bless them for their restraint. So I'm not sure how familiar our listeners are with internet sex work, but that's basically the same system. Like, that's how cam girls solicit money for views. Um, You have to pay to enter a chat, and then you pay to stay, etc. And, like, I actually don't have a problem with women or men who engage in sex work. Like, if you want to do that of your own volition, that's fine with me. But there's more to it than that. It's, like, it's it's shadowing the same process, Mm -hmm. but under a different guise. It's under the guise of two people finding each other. So that's a little strange right off the bat. Yeah. It's, like, why is it so transactional if it's really about meeting each other? Why is it they're just a joining fee like there is on Match or whatever it is? Yeah. So most of the people who make profiles on this are dudes. Whether they're married or not, mm-hmm. you don't have to be married, <laughs> I suppose. I don't know why you wouldn't just, like... Sign up for eHarmony. Start with eHarmony. Yeah. Maybe they have. Maybe you just have them all. I don't yeah. know. Yes. Um, J-Day, Farmers Only, who cares? Okay, Cupid. Okay, Cupid, let's do it. Christian Mingle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so, but if most of the profiles are men, and there's all this chatting happening... Where do you think all of the females are coming from? Two ideas. Two ideas. A. They are um, actually sex workers trying to make a buck. B. They're robots. It's B. Nice. I think the the former could happen. Yeah. I suppose. Um, but I think most of them are just bots. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one woman actually brought a lawsuit against Ashley Madison because she claimed they made me make so many fake profiles that I got like carpal tunnel. <laughs> And then they, like, diffused the lawsuit by showing a picture of her on a jet ski, and they were like, how could you jet ski if you had carpal tunnel? I didn't even get into that, because, like, I was like, yikes. Wait, that's all I'm interested in. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> this legendary But that's the woman. end. Like, that that was the whole story. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, a great deal of the women on the site are fake. And, like, Ashley Madison keeps saying, that's not true, and that's slander. Like, please come at me for slander. I would love the media attention. <laughs> So that's pretty much all it is. Like, it's so simple, it's genius. Or it's so simple, it's simple. They became popular initially for their viral marketing techniques, such as making fake websites, taking up billboard space and TV ad space, and advertising on the radio. And I watched some of the um, TV ads, and I assumed they would be like, you know, like condom commercials or chocolate commercials, where it's like dark lighting and, like, velvet curtains and yeah. it's, like, come and experience. Like, very mm-hmm. weird and not actually saying anything. Yeah, but, like, suggestive, but not suggestive. being, like... Suggestive. Um, <laughs> like, I have to give it to them. Yeah. They just fucking go for it. They do. That's the <laughs> thing about Ashley Madison. <laughs> They're like, are you married and terrible? Awesome. <laughs> like, do we have the thing for you? They have jingles. Uh-huh. Like, that's my favorite thing about them. One of the, my favorites is... I'm looking for someone other than my wife. <laughs> someone other than my wife. <laughs> Ashley Madison's right. <laughs> and then it's like a chorus of men singing that. Which, like, what? Like, what am I supposed? What am I supposed to do? Not join? Like at that point? I'm I'm thrilled. Uh. So yeah, they've clearly got a Don Draper working in creative. I'm sure. Yeah, um, honestly, yeah. 
So they got a fair amount of backlash from certain ads that they aired in certain places. Like, Canada Canada got angry when they tried to advertise on, like, the public transportation system, and, you know, they had little kind of spats here and there, and that garnered a little bit of media attention, and Noel Biederman started being asked to go on talk shows and was starting to be interviewed. It sort of caught fire in a memefied way. Oh, but I bet Noel bit. Biederman is, like, a really laid-back guy who doesn't want the spotlight. Yeah, of <laughs> just wants to, like, make an honest living. <laughs> yeah. With his wife and beautiful children, <laughs> which he has. No, I've seen it, we, his wife be interviewed and be, and she's like, I don't see a problem with it, but he's definitely not cheating on me. And I'm always like, okay. <laughs> People Magazine described him this way. Quote, Biederman has been matter of fact about his site. Uh... And then it's a Biederman quote. Some people say it promotes promiscuity, he told Times. But if you don't do it, you get behavior that's way more harmful to society. What is that behavior? Not cheating? I think he means people will be, like, violent if they don't Yeah, cheat. like murdering their wives instead. Uh, <laughs> new option. Don't do that. <laughs> do neither. Yeah, we'll move forward. What if you just got divorced from the wife you don't like being married to? Yeah, that's fine. I know that's a crazy idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to go way off the rails. Whatever. Continuing, he says, Infidelity has been around a lot longer than Ashley Madison, which I'll give him that. He continues, All I'm saying is, don't do it in the workplace where it could result in someone losing their job. Don't go to singles dating service and lie about your status. And don't hire, he says, prostitute, sex worker, get your shit together. Um, Given that affairs are going to happen no matter what, maybe we should see Ashley Madison as a safe alternative. So, so, I mean, so I read that, and the thing that horrifies me is I'm like, yeah, Fine. Like, fine. I'm like, fine. Whatever. Maybe. I I just don't like... I just don't like it. Here's what I don't like. Give me it. Here's what I don't like. I'm gonna say what I don't like, and then you you say it first, then I'll say it. Okay. Here's what I don't like. If you and your wife have a conversation, and you're like, honey, I would love to bone around, and she goes, you know what, baby? That's chill with me. Yeah, I need to move this thing all over town. (laughs) Then... Are you cool with that? Then I think a website that's like... This website's for people who are in open marriages, and yeah. that's what they're looking for. A plus plus. Like, you go sure. for it. You swing with your neighbors. You live that dream. Cheating is different, because you're breaking... Because you're lying. Because you're lying. Yeah. Because you're hurting someone very much so. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want a website that's like, it's fun. To lie. <laughs> But on the other yeah. hand, it's like, if there was a website for, like, are you in an open marriage? Like, obviously there's no way for them to police that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the problem in a lot of ways with the things that he says and the things that he's quoted as supporting mm-hmm. is that he's saying that cheating is natural and that it's good for marriage. And I think he's confusing cheating with sexual openness. Yeah. Like, sex is natural and wanting sex is natural. And there's also nothing wrong with consensually opening up your marriage to include other sexual partners or sexual contact, that's all fine. Like, that's all, even if it's not for you specifically, that is a fine thing that can happen in this world. And it is actually perfectly natural. Why not? Do what you want. Monogamy works for some and doesn't work for others. But he's acting like it's natural and normal to lie to your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that isn't right. No. Like, I would be just as upset if, like, he started a dating site, and he was like, date each other, and then also part of dating each other is you pick someone and you're mean to them. Like, it's the same thing. It's like, 
why add that element to it? Yeah. But because it's got this sexual flavor, it becomes morally aberrant. But the morally aberrant piece of this site is not the sex. It's the it's the deception. Yeah, that's so real. So that's something that I think it fuels people because sex is involved and it becomes more racy, more dirty, yeah. and more terrible. When there's nothing dirty or sexy or racy. I mean, there's sexy things about sex, I suppose. Sex um, can be sexy. <laughs> sometimes it's not. But it's not always. Um, but so, like... I think it's funny how society takes that and then freaks out about it because there's a sexual element when in reality, that's the thing we need to chill out about. Mm -hmm. And what we need to not chill out about is it being natural for you to lie to your spouse. Yeah. And I think part of that is, I mean, at least in Western culture for sure, there's this weird, like, trope of women, like, throwing their husbands over their shoulder, and, Uh, like, men being, like, oh, the old ball and chain, and, like, people going into a marriage. Like, this is a separate segment entirely, but I hate nothing more than, like, little ring bearers holding a sign when they're walking down the aisle, like, last chance to run. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with your family? Like, why are you all talking, like, oh, like, you know, I'll see if I can do that, but gotta go ask the wife. Like, don't know how that's gonna pay. I'm like, aren't you partners in life? Like, I would never fucking talk about my partner that way. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? And also, if you don't want to get married, then don't. don't. Just don't do it. Then do not do it. You don't have to. You need. You both need to say I do. You can just not. You cannot. You can say I do not. <laughs> yes. It's dramatic if you do it then, but you can. <laughs> do you Do you take the, I do not. I do not. I, I will not. Do it. I won't. I saw that little ring bearer that said last chance, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I gotta it. go. I'm going to tap in. I'm going to call my lifeline. So, yeah. I mean, so the website, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Whatever. Ugh. Where this gets interesting is 2015. And this is something most of you will have heard about. We were juniors in college. We were. A beautiful time. It was. Like it was yesterday. Ugh. And on July 12th, 2015, Avid Life Media employees, who, that was the parent company of Ashley Madison, mm-hmm. Avid Life. Um, they open their computers to find a message from a group that calls themselves the Impact Team. And the Impact Team states that if they did not shut down the Ashley Madison site and their other website, which is called Established Men, (laughs) which was, yeah, it was just for, like, sugaring. Yeah. Which, again, that's, like, more straightforward. Yeah. You're not lying to anyone. You're like, I'm young, you're old and rich, let's do this. Yeah. Fine with it. Um... So if they didn't shut down these sites, they said they would release all of the private information, including emails that was held by the site. I love this fact. This email was accompanied by the ACDC song Thunderstruck. (laughs) (laughs) So when you open the email, that started playing. (laughs) I just fucking love that. I love the idea of, like, this very sad, dimly lit office building being overtaken by lots of, like, tinny versions of Thunderstruck on everyone's, like, HP computer. I love it. And slightly off each other's would be like, I love it. On July 19th, the Impact Team posts the same threat externally on a public site called Pastebin. So it hits news sites on the lower scale, and it's public information now that they have made this threat against Ashley Madison. They give Avid Media a 30-day window to shut down all of the sites. And after that, Ashley Madison makes a statement that there was a data breach, but they're working with contractors, and they have the situation under control. On July 22nd, in a thriller movie-style twist, the Impact team releases the names of two, just two, men who had accounts on the site. Uh, 
<laughs> for those two guys. I know, just those two guys, like, come on, man. One was from Brockton, Massachusetts, hey. hometown hero, and the other was from Ontario. Uh, I just watched the movie Seven for the first time, <laughs> and that seems like some shit that Kevin Spacey would pull in Seven. It does, it does. Love it. August 18th, 2015, after the 30-day window is reached, Impact publishes an article on Pastebin titled Time's Up and attaches a torrent file with 10 gigs of data with user information. So immediately everyone's like, fuck, what is happening? Like, is this even legitimate? Is this fake? Like, what's going on? And Ashley Madison keeps making statements like, we're working on it. (laughs) And later that day, they release a categorized list of data. And after a full day of craziness and verifying sources and interviewing people whose information came up on the site, it becomes clear that the data is legitimate. Within the next few days, websites are created which host search functions to look for data user information on Ashley Madison. So anyone with a website browser can look through all of this data very easily. Mm -hmm. Data comes in waves over the next week, releasing information about government employees, like something like 14,000 plus government employees were registered. And even personal information about Noel Biederman's email interactions to like (laughs) women and staff members. Gross. Or maybe bots. We don't know. He doesn't even know. A $578 million lawsuit is filed by Canadian law firms against Ashley Madison uh, because they had this function where for $19 you could do a permanent delete of your account. Um, But many of the people who did that still had their information released, so it was clear that they didn't actually permanently delete that information. So, I don't know, checkmate. (laughs) I don't know if they ever got their $578 million. And after that, uh, this is sad, two suicides were linked to the Ashley oh, Madison God. information dump, so that's grim. Um, and then soon after that, Noel Biederman resigned. However, Ashley Madison released a statement that they're back up and running and open for business just a week later. Um, and they even said that their usership was increasing. And whether that's true or not, no one can know, but probably not. Today, Ashley Madison claims to have served over 50 million people in 45 different countries. Damn. Damn! So how do you feel about Ashley Madison, Sam? Icky. I don't know. It's like we said before. It's like, it's like have sex whoever you want if you're both consenting. But the lying is grossness. Um, It's hilarious that it got hacked in a lot of ways. But like, the organization that did it, I'm just like, why? Why did you do it? I want to (laughs) know. Why did you do that? Um, Also... I think when this happened, that's when they found out that um, Josh Duggar was a sex addict. <gasps> really? I Is think that right? Was, I think it was because he was on Ashley Madison. Wow. Well, which when, is just when a you fun, know, you know, I guess. Fun fact. Um, but yeah, it's icky as all hell. I agree. But Sam, I have something to tell you. Something to tell you. What? What? Today, on December 12th, <laughs> the year of our Lord 2018. No. I made an Ashley Madison account. <gasps> Allison! I did it. Did it cost money? No, it didn't, because I'm a woman. But, I mean, if my boyfriend is listening, um, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and we've had beautiful memories. I just feel like we're on different journeys. I need to see it. <laughs> um, there's nothing on it. I'll tell you about it. Um, I used the the general avatar. So <laughs> not even, like, a picture of me on it. So, the first thing that I noticed when I went to sign up is that they're accepting of all sexual orientations. So, they're like, are you female taking female? Or oh, whatever. Oh, okay. So, um, not hot on the, like, non-binary multiple pronouns front, but, you know, we'll get there. Uh, so, and then they had me make a username, and I did hot for sacks, 
So, like, hot for sex, but um, I spelled it, like, saxophone. Ooh. Uh, which I thought was equally hot. Yeah, you're gonna get a lot of, like, <laughs> horny saxophone players. I really that's thought, I mean, that was the goal. Yeah. Um, and you had to put your weight and body type in, so that's fun. <laughs> Shows everyone where your head's at. <laughs> well, for body type, one of the options was Zaftig. <laughs> well, I don't know what that means. Wait, you don't know what that means? No. Zaftig is, like, um... I don't know if it's, like, he- actually Hebrew or Yiddish, but it's, like, a Jewish word for just, like, a big voluptuous woman. Oh. So, like, that restaurant Zaftig Yes, in I, I've been to Zaftig's. Has that bi- picture of that big woman. Oh. Who's fabulous. Yes. So that's a body type option, which I just found hysterical. <laughs> so I put that, but also I put my weight as 115 pounds. <laughs> so I was, like, figure it out. Um, uh, and then asked me to make a list of what I was looking for, so I wrote, uh, whimsical frolicking... Erotic handholding, <laughs> deep eye contact, nice. cuddle sleepovers, fleeing the scene, and just plain old doing it. <laughs> I thought that would rope people in. You're a girl with many interests. I, yeah, I am. I was an open book on this. Um, I have not yet received any messages, I which is a tragedy. That. I cannot believe I it. I did make this three hours ago, so we'll see. I'll, I'll update you if I get anything. I'm begging you to update me. Um... So, I just wanted to share one profile that I found, and then I promise I'll be done. So, this was deep, and I was like, I have to share this with the world, and I hope I find him somebody. His username was Open the Wardrobe Door. Okay. You're pulled in, right? I was. Is he a big fan of the Narnia books? I have no idea. I think maybe that's part of it. So, under what I'm looking for, he wrote, I seek a missing piece and spark with someone who seeks the same. I want to share new ideas and ways to connect with someone yearning for more in their day-to-day life but understands the boundaries of reality and regularly escapes. I feel like he just wants to try anal. I don't... <laughs> it could be that. <laughs> um, he goes on to say, who is there? Someone who is there to be close enough to share ideas, enjoy new experiences, anal, and then return <laughs> to reality with smiles and warm memories. Will you open the wardrobe door? <laughs> Your asshole. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. I think that's what he's talking about, Al. There's a lot more, so just... Just cool your heels. Um, Under what really turns me on, he wrote, A strong-minded, intelligent woman who pairs a quick wit with a yearning for more romance. That sounds like you. Hands up, honestly. I did just publicly break up with Chris, so I think it's fine (laughs) if I maybe shoot him a message. Someone who is missing a flame at home and wants it rekindled in a variety of ways. Oh, so he's looking for, like, a married woman. It seems that way. Um, Both inside and outside the bedroom. A woman who enjoys the occasional glass of champagne and stimulating conversation in the air of heightened sexual tension. Again, he's pretty much describing me. (laughs) That's you if I've ever heard (laughs) it. A little flirting back and forth, strolls outside in the crisp New England air, and the comfort of a warm embrace. He's in New England? Al, you have to go to him! I could find him! (laughs) The ability to escape for a few hours, and even up to a few days, if the timing and chemistry is right. Um, He's like, leave your children for me. (laughs) Just for a few days. In essence, a romantic French mistress kind of relationship spent equally in crisp linens. He loves the word crisp, and I love that. (laughs) As well as in mentally stimulating companionship. Okay, so then under what I'm looking for, I thought he just answered that, but I guess not. Uh, I am a worldly person with a multitude of experiences. I enjoy a good cup of coffee, good conversations, and robust physical rendezvous. Anal. (laughs) I enjoy the outdoors and the peace and opportunity it gives for discussions away from the trappings of everyday life. Is he, like... I feel like he... I'm getting so many, like, milady vibes right yeah. now. Yeah, he wears a fedora he on the right. He definitely feels like a fedora boy. Or one of those, like, flat caps. 
But I gotta say, uh, he's, uh, I'm, he's inter- I'm gonna it. keep, he's selling it. For God's sake, he is selling it. Like a watch on the street. I'm <laughs> interested. Uh, my mind is open and always up for new adventures and experiences. I have many to share and look forward for someone to equally bring their ideas and shared experiences. I mean, he's looking for, he, this is no floozy he's asking yeah, for. Yeah, he's really looking for, he's looking for a, an intellectual a partnership, partnership. Sexually and intellectually. Yeah. Who will um, try anal. <laughs> let's just make that clear. <laughs> I believe in fully sharing and knowing my lover's desires and what gives her the most pleasure. He's a giver. Is he married? I don't, I don't think so. I think he's maybe 14. Oh, um, I feel the best relationship is built on more than just sex. Join me for some stimulating conversation, new experiences, and fun. He ends it with that. That's a, that's a weak finish. Yeah, don't all. finish on fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, um, open the wardrobe door. Wow. There was no picture. Sent him a note, I think. Um, oh, that one I sent something that was actually real, because I really wanted him to respond, so I wanted, I didn't send him something that was, like, silly, because I really (laughs) wanted him to actually respond. Um, yeah, he says he's 40. Okay. Um, he's a Capricorn. Okay. I'm, you know what? I can do that. Compatible. I can work with that. Um, and he's in Massachusetts, so, you know what? If that's you, you call me. You, you send us an email at imhorrifiedpodcast at gmail.com. And I will go on a date with you. Allie. I will do it. <laughs> you will get murdered. I will be murdered. <laughs> Chris will be so mad at me. For the goof. For letting you do that. I will do this. I'm putting I'm putting it out right fucking now. Ugh. Let's make this happen. I'd go with you, but I'd wear, like, a trench coat and I'd be, like, two tables away, just keeping yeah, it. Yeah, you'd have an earpiece. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, I'm proud of myself. So love is real. I'm excited to see where this leads, <laughs> if I'm honest. I can't imagine that we have any listeners who have used Ashley Madison, but I want to hear your Ashley Madison stories. Like, someone knows someone who knows someone who yes. their marriage dissolved because of Ashley Madison. Please tell We'd us. We'd love to know. Yes. Um, yeah. Any closing business, Sam? Um, it's the holiday season. We're going to have a, a, a holiday episode next week. We're doing week. a holiday episode next week, so stay tuned. That'll be so fun. I'll say it again. Um, we're going to PodCon in January. So soon now. So soon. So that's exciting. So, I mean, if you're coming, let us know. We'd yeah. love to meet up with you. Please. Um, we'll take lots of pictures. We ask that you um, leave us a comment on iTunes if you liked our show. Yes. We never ask you guys to do that. Not anymore. We used to a lot at the beginning. We used to a lot at the beginning, and then we've been slacking off, but we're back again to say... Review us. Pay it forward to Leave us. Leave us a review. Yeah. Tweet at us. Email us. So while you do that, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.